so we've been talking about God as a gardener, how he loves to cut away the dead with the stuff in our lives that doesn't produce fruit, the stuff that actually brings death. While at the same time, areas of our life where we are producing fruit, he comes and he cuts that anyway. Like for those of you that are green thumbs, he cuts it away so next season it can produce more fruit, more flowers, yeah? So you can have a, a better plant, a better tree. The issue is often when that happens, and we've invited our kids to listen to the first part, often the issue is when that happens, it can hurt, cutting hurts. And we run from the pruning and the cutting process, not realizing it's actually God doing a work in our lives, yeah? And some of you may be able to testify to that. But once we realize that it's Father God doing the pruning and the cutting or the chiseling or the molding, once we realize it's Him and we allow Him to do a work in season, the Bible tells us that we can be a people that are so full of Him and so like Him that even our prayers cause the ground to shake, yeah? Now, the good news and the bad news is that any pruning season is only a season. And once you produce the fruit that that pruning season brings, he then comes and cuts some more and he prunes some more. So I'm just letting you know it's a process you'll go through your entire Christian life in Jesus' name. Some pruning and cutting um, is more painful than others. But the finished product, when you allow God to do a work, is always, always, always outstanding. So what we've asked and what we've organised for you today is we've asked two people that have been through a season and for some, you'll find out how long that season's been, but been through a season of pruning and cutting, but where we get to benefit from the finished product of that, of that pruning and cutting. We get to see what Jesus had in store and planned from them from the beginning, even though it was painful for them, we get to rejoice and to praise with them now, yeah? So I'm going to ask the first person to come up and I'm going to ask you to put your hands together and to honour them. Crystal, will you come and share with us? Okay. I think I'm more nervous doing this on my wedding day. So please bear with me. Um, so I finished this late last night on the train home from Melbourne. So it could be a little bit everywhere. So yes, bear with me. So a bit of background knowledge. Um, growing up on one of five, um, got four younger brothers. So um, I grew up on a farm with very, very hardworking family. Um, one of those things where you could never let dad catch you sitting on the couch because you'd want to have a pretty good explanation for that so um, typical sort of farming background and community it was a you'll be right she'll be right get on with it type thing um, it's lucky enough I guess I love the farm but I was lucky enough to um, to <laughs> yeah, escape yes <laughs> no no I love visiting it's awesome but um, always from day dot from when I was a preppy I um, had the dream of just wanting to be a teacher so um, I always knew that, yes, I'd have to make that journey somewhere and that somewhere was to Ballarat for university. So, went through that um, and, yeah, scored myself a job and here I am today. So, I guess for me, my um, journey has been a lot about anxiety and depression and first hit me when I was about 16, 17 years old um, and I just rem remember... 
the adrenaline, the fear, just that downward spiral. It was just, it just engulfed me. I don't know why, I don't know how, it just, it did. It was horrible. Um, feelings of just being really low, wanting to cry all the time, just don't know why, but yep. Um, every day was a battle, a battle to just survive, a battle to go to school, do what you had to do, go to university, do what you had to do type things. So just a real effort in everything. You didn't feel like going out, didn't feel like talking a whole, pretending, yeah, I'm fine, but on the inside just breaking type thing. Um, I wish that I could actually describe anxiety to people and, and how it feels, um, but I, I don't know, I... I can't compare it to anything because I just, I don't know. It's just, unless you've been there, I don't think you actually know um, just how it can kind of ruin your life. Um, so, yeah, there's just that feeling of no hope um, just took over me. Um, mine was taking over, hard to control things, hard to convince myself that everything was going to be okay. So, um, I know people tried to help, even my mum and dad, talking me through it. Um, a few from dad, typical dads maybe, you'll be right, snap out of it type thing. Thanks, dad. Um, and I wish, I, I wish that I could have just gone like that. Um, I'd have very lovely people that would throw Bible verses at me and just do this and just do that and just read and blah, blah, blah. But um, I was kind of my own worst enemy, to be honest. Um, very harsh on myself. Um, very critical, I guess. So, And, yeah, I did a fair bit of damage to myself, I think, without actually realising that. Um, so... My um, my story is not one of I became a Christian, a Christian and bang I was healed. Wish it was, would have been so much easier. It was a lot more perseverance and determination. Um, so I've been running this race for a while. Um, it was actually in yeah 2015 I think I hit an all time low to. 2015 was just, ugh, hated it. Um, can't even describe it. Like it's, I'd be on, in tears to my mum on the phone. Can't go to work, can't do it, blah, blah, blah. But somehow, excuse me, crying again, I just did it. Um, anxiety even worked its way into my faith, which I hated. It, um... You're doing the tissue run? Thank you. <laughs> uh, that was one thing when I made the board. I was like, right, we're buying more tissues for this place. <laughs> for people like me. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I was great at turning things inside out, back to front, upside down over-analyzing, took it to the extreme, it was ridiculous. Um, and I think the frustrating thing was that I was a Christian, 
and I I hated how that was happening, why it was happening f- to me and I hate it. Grew up in a Christian family. It's like, there's no excuse for this. What is this garbage? <laughs> um, I did the, the praying more, the fasting more, the going to church more, the reading more and it just, I don't know, it's still there. It's still there. Um, I think I bought actually every Joyce Meyer book you could imagine, <laughs> thinking that that was, yep, that's my answer, let's do it, if anyone wants to borrow them, they're there, or have them, <laughs> no, she is great, but yes, it just, there's no silver bullet for this, and um, I think everyone's so different, and you know, it's not a one seven-step process, like was said there. Um, So, I think another thing that frustrated me, I must get frustrated very easily, is that I knew God could, you know, click his fingers and, yep, you're healed. And um, that used to frustrate me. Like, come on, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm praying, I'm this, I'm that, I don't know. Maybe it was, I don't know what I was thinking, but... I was pretty over it, actually. Um, excuse me. <laughs> this wasn't meant to happen. Um, so, yeah, I was in a pretty bad spiral going further and further down. And... Obviously, there was no magical wave of the wand and you feel healed. It was, um, he wanted to teach me a bit more. Um, so, yeah, I guess I compared a bit. I love my netball. <laughs> that was one thing that got me through it a lot. And I couldn't, with netball, with any sport, you can't just say, I want to be fit. And you fit. And I guess with anxiety, I couldn't just say I'm healed and I was healed. I actually had to work at it. Um, and it's such an everyday process. Um, really is. <laughs> so it's been slow for me. It's been even the two steps forward, ten steps backward feeling. Um, but yeah, I had to make that choice of, right, this is enough. I've had enough. So frustrated with it all. Um, so yeah, as I said, 2015 was a really tough year. It wore me down physically, mentally, even spiritually. Um, I'd, I'd wake up in the morning and think, yep, oh, I feel all right. And then just that you'd actually fully become conscious that it's, no, nah, it's still there. It's still, still got this thing hanging over me. Um, so yeah, I'm very... Very thankful I was never suicidal. Um, I was protected from those thoughts. So I thank God for that so much. Um, I even remember waking up on Saturdays for netball and it just felt like I'd already played a game. I just had all the adrenaline, all the... I was exhausted before I'd even start and I don't even know how I did it some days. 
So, yeah. Um, so I'd had enough. And um, had some very wise people tell me that nothing changes if nothing changes. And a um, very wise couple put me straight on to a Christian counsellor, which, um, I don't know, I was not really big into that either. So, like I said, my own worst enemy. Um, so, for me, he, he knew the symptoms of anxiety and depression and when he just started telling me how I was feeling and how my body reacted to things, I was like, wow, yep, I'm onto something here. Um, so I had a lot of guilt and condemnation I discovered through this little journey. Um, maybe being the oldest had something to do with that, um, don't know. Um, so I've had to um, take responsi- responsibility, I guess, in the, of late and make the choice of not to let things get to me. Yes, things have happened in the past or... I've taken these on and overanalyzed them or thought it was this way, but it's it's my that's been my choice. So I've had to actually break that habit and start to look at things differently and from God's perspective. And oh, that's just opened up so much. It's been amazing. Sorry, that's really gross. Um, so, I've, um, I've had to learn to stop trying to please others um, and, and just know that I please God anyway, regardless. So, that's been big. Um, and knowing that my actions and imperfections, they don't matter. So, that's been a big one for me. Um, I've learned about God's unconditional love. And you can know it, but it's believing it that's the next step. And that's what was tricky for me. Um, So, I've had regular appointments with my counsellor. And he's helped me to see the truth. And he's helped me to see how God actually sees me, not how my twisted mind was seeing things. So it's something I deal with um, every single day, like I said. So it's, it's putting in those strategies. Um, I know I'm going to have those days and they frustrate me, but, um, but I know that I'll always get through them. Um, um, being disciplined taking captive of my thoughts has been a big thing as well not in, not letting them run away they just oof, they can end up in all sorts of places when you do that um so yeah i god over the years god has put so many people in my path um from all of you guys to just yeah uh, to my counselor to to many amazing people um I've had prophecies at just the right time, um, especially Corey Turner. He's uh, amazing. 
Um, he actually prophesied, it was towards the end of 2015, that good things were coming in 2016. And that was my year. And it sure was. Sure was. Um, yeah, I came along in leaps and bounds. Even scored a fiancé there in 2016. And now husband. So, um, yeah, so... I've had answers dropped into my thoughts and I wasn't sure. I've had powerful prayers and words declared and spoken over me and, and I'm just thankful that he has been watching me every step of the way, catching me, guiding me. Um, because how else have I gotten through these... 15 odd years of this <laughs> so yeah so I'm now I guess I'm more confident letting things go more confident just when decisions have to be made it's just there for God to deal with and do um, and when you actually begin to understand just how much God is for us and that we've already got these things inside us that we need, we've already got the tools, we've already got the peace, we've already got the joy, we've already got the love. It's just, you've got to tap into that and find that. So it's taken me a few years to do that. Um, but yeah, and it's something, like I said, just got to keep reminding myself of that that I have the joy and the love and the peace already. And, um, yeah, just got to get rid of all that other garbage and, um, yeah, keep putting my eyes on God. So, yeah, sorry to cry over it. So, yeah, that's me. That's my story. So. See, the stuff that we go through changes when we realise who we are because of whose we are. We understand that he's trekking with us every step of the way. And the brilliance is that we've got a church family that, that can walk with us, yeah? And we do have Christian counsellors that have wisdom, yeah? Wisdom in their counselling that's founded also in the Lord. So they not only give you strategy, they give you answers. And what we get to see is that whole process is God's cutting, God's pruning, and we're blessed because of what you've been through. Not that we wish it on you, but because of your journey, we're the ones that when you walk through the door, we spend time with you. We're the ones that come away thinking, wow, that was so nice spending time with Crystal. It was just lovely being around her because our spirits testify because you've allowed over time as you've held on God to do his work in you. Yeah? If you don't know Crystal, get to know Crystal. Why do we run friendship groups? Because you get to know people. You get to know what they've been through, where they're at, yeah? This is a, an outright plug. If you're not in a group, you should get in a group because you get to know the real people that you're sitting with from Sunday to Sunday, amen? Can we put our hands together for her and then we're going to pray. Bless you. So just where you're sitting, just point your hands towards Crystal and let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the, the journey that she's been on. Lord, we know it's been trying. We know that at times it's been troubling and at times, Father, that she's had no answer. But Lord God, like that 
like that picture of the footprints in the sand, Lord, in her darkest times, you were still there carrying her through. And we thank you, Father, that she's held on to you with both hands. When things have been dark, she's held on to you seeking the light. And I thank you, Lord God. Here stands a woman, a faithful woman of God, Lord, that has seen your deliverance, that has seen your victory, that, Lord, when life throws things her way, when the chatterbox, so to speak, when the voices come, Lord, she turns to you and she listens to your voice, the way that you see her, the way that you value her, the way that you love her. And, Father, she takes captive those other thoughts that she might step forward. We thank you for the example that she is to the children that she teaches. Father, we thank you for the example that she is to those that she blesses in our house. And we wish every blessing upon her in Jesus' name. And all these people said, Amen. 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 (laughs) Do you know, sitting beside you is a champion. I'm just going to put that out there. Sitting beside you today, there is a champion. And some of us don't even realise who it is that we've got sitting next to us, yeah? But our next person that's going to share their testimony is Janine. And so please put your your hands together for Janine. I have Joyce Meyer books at home too, I'm confessing. (laughs) Thanks, Crystal. (laughs) We should start a group. (laughs) Okay, well, good morning, everyone. I'm just wondering, uh, show of hands, how many people have ever renovated a home or a room in a home? A few of you, yeah? Does anyone like watching The Block or those sorts of shows, Fixer Upper, that type of thing, yeah? Cool, well then you know uh, that there's a lot of time and effort that goes in to renovating homes and that, and that things don't always go according to plan, you find things that need fixing that you didn't know about, uh, there's delays, all sorts of things happen. And I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, that's a bit like life, really, isn't it, for most of us? Um, our lives can look a bit like that, too. And this morning, I'm just going to share uh, part of my testimony of God's restoration of my house. That's me, his vessel that he lives inside. <laughs> uh, I will make a caveat that he's not finished yet. <laughs> Those of you who know me know that. <laughs> but I wanted to share this morning just to encourage you um, to give you hope and tell of God's goodness and faithfulness. So um, some of you will know I celebrated my 50th birthday this year. The good news is I'm not going to go back to year one because we would be here for a while. But my restoration journey when I was thinking about it probably really began officially about nine years ago when I gave my life to Christ for the second time when I realised it was about a relationship rather than religion. And I started attending church regularly, going along to small group, uh, serving in ministry. So I was growing and as a Christian and thriving. I had lots of good things going on. Um, on all appearances, uh, I was going really well. I had a loving husband who's here today. <laughs> two beautiful children. <laughs> I had two part-time jobs. One of those was a paid uh, leadership ministry role at another church. And I was studying ministry as well. So this was about four years ago. And I was really busy, but I was happy and I was contented. Uh, So on the outside, it looked like I had everything going well. But I was thinking of, in the Bible, it talks about whitewashed tombs and uh, how they can look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're not. And uh, the cracks in my foundation of my house started to show about four years ago when I started to struggle under the load of other people's expectations and my own, 
uh, like Crystal, I could be my own worst enemy. <laughs> and I started to feel really overwhelmed and anxious. Uh, I started to isolate myself because I didn't want people to know. And uh, I would also, like Crystal mentioned, cry for no reason. But they weren't just minor tears, they were like sobbing, like really deep, guttural sobbing. And I'm thinking, what on earth is going on? And at the time, I didn't know why, but I just thought, oh, I'm just exhausted. I'm just doing too much stuff. I'm getting burned out. I'll just take a rest. That'll do. So I took a rest, but I still felt just such grief and such sorrow. So I went off to the doctor, because that's what you do sometimes. <laughs> I don't like doctors. But anyway, I went along to the doctor, and he insisted that I take at least another month of stress leave. Well, that was good in one way, but then I had to actually let people know that I wasn't functioning well, which was really hard for me to do because I had two jobs and a family and everything. So I had to go back and go, uh, you know what? <laughs> I can't hide it anymore. And at that point, I couldn't even hide it. I didn't have the energy to hide it like Crystal talked about. You just don't even have the energy to do stuff. Anyway, I knew deep down that something was seriously wrong, but I didn't know what. And I just had so much grief. And I still wrestled with, if I could just work harder, things will get better. If I could just work harder, things will get better. But the other part of me thought, no, that's not actually going to work. It's not working now. Working harder isn't going to work. So in desperation, one day I was praying to God and I just said, God, you've got to help me. I'm desperate. I can't do this. Um, you have to show me the root of the problem. I don't know what, what is driving me. And if I just take stress leave and go back to work and do the same thing again, I'm going to be in the same place or worse. I'm going to lose my health, my family. And I just thought, um, I just can't do that. And uh, I think about that point God was cheering because he went, yay, she's finally worked it out. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> so um, I did. <laughs> Now, I do have some, a picture to show you. Uh, the next play, page, please, Anna. Doing a great job. That's my sister and me. I'm the one on the right. So, a picture tells a thousand words. Well, about this point in my journey, I felt like this. This is a shack. It was actually on a show called Fixer Upper. Some of you may know that show. And uh, when I was watching it a few months ago, God spoke very clearly to me and said, this is just like your journey. I went... Okay. <laughs> uh, if we could go to the next slide, Anna. This actually slide really resonates with me because this is what I felt like on the inside. You can see um, my foundations in performance were falling apart. I had these things holding me up just. <laughs> I had um, major repairs required and there was a whole lot of dry rot, which is like hidden fungus in my foundations that I wasn't even aware of. But God was. That's the good news. The good news is he is the master fixer-upper. And he knows everything that's happened to us and everything that needs fixing. So he goes and finds our faulty foundations when we give him permission. <laughs> and he turns us into his masterpiece. So anyway, a few weeks after my very courageous prayer, I do realise now it was a very brave prayer, or a very dumb prayer, one or the other, but very brave, I think. <laughs> um, I found myself at a Christian inner healing retreat, which I'd never been to anything like that before. And here I discovered a hidden room in my house 
that I didn't know about when I discovered memories of my grandfather who'd sexually abused me when I was five years old. Now, I was in shock because I didn't have any recollection of that at all. I uh, did know that I had grown up in a difficult family environment because I'd had counselling for depression off and on for many years. Um, and I remember my mum being depressed for much of her time when I was a child. I remembered her being in bed most of the time. And my dad worked very long hours and when he was home, he often would fly into a violent rage or be quite physically abusive. So I knew about that history, but I didn't know about this. So as you can imagine, I was a bit shattered uh, because my grandfather was like a father to me. And I started having some Christian counselling and um, I had to work through lots of feelings of shame and betrayal and also through lots of lies that I believed, that I was bad, that I was unworthy, that I was not enough, um, that um, I had to please everyone, as Crystal mentioned too, um, that all something bad would happen, just all these different things that God was bringing up and showing me and helping me heal. Uh, where are we? There's lots. <laughs> uh, then the following year, I had some more memory revelations of an uncle and my father abusing me sexually when I was a very young child. And again, I was in shock. And this time it was a lot more difficult. Not that the first time wasn't, but because these people were actually alive and part of my life. And uh, unlike my grandfather who'd passed on. And uh, several of my counsellors, I had a couple of counsellors, encouraged me strongly to break ties for a while just so that I could work through that, heal and protect my children. So I had to make that very difficult decision to actually uh, sever those relationships, put some boundaries in place around that. So then I lost extended family as well. And obviously my family weren't and still are not happy about that situation. Anyway, so the grief and the anger and uh, that was quite horrible and uh, the good news was Jesus didn't leave me alone in that. He, uh, he came and comforted me through his Holy Spirit. Um, he set about to heal my broken heart and remove all that hurt and that anger and that pain that was buried in my foundations that I didn't even know about. Now, um, Crystal mentioned she had 2015 as her horror year. Mine was 2016. <laughs> It was my turn. <laughs> so this, at the beginning of 2016, I started to get triggered really uh, quite regularly by just different situations that happened around me, most people things. And then I had a really particularly horrendous nightmare that I realised was actually um, a memory because of the way I responded to it. And uh, I like to joke, some of us have skeletons in our closet well, I have a whole graveyard full of skeletons I found. <laughs> so God was opening up those little hidden rooms going, okay, let's go in here now. So I discovered um, that my extended family were part of a satanic ritual abuse cult and uh, which had been going on for many generations. So for them, it was quite a normal thing. That was just what you did. So my sister and I had been subjected to physical, mental and sexual torture at their hands for many, many years. And uh, we were, as part of that, we were also forced to hurt other people. 
and my parents also hired us out to pedophile groups for money, which was just mind-boggling. Now, for some of you at this point, you might be wondering, how on earth wouldn't you know about that? Like, how could you not remember? How could you go through life not knowing that that had happened to you? And that's a really excellent question. I asked God that many times because I thought, am I just making this up? Am I just wanting attention? Am I just going crazy? Because I, I didn't, I literally did not remember it. And um, I do know that when I had trauma memories, I would actually feel the physical memories quite uh, like it was happening to me. So I know that I didn't make those up. Uh, I also know that a lot of the things that I discovered, I didn't even know people could do to people. So again, I thought, well, I couldn't make that up because <laughs> I didn't even know that happened. And then um, I had several counsellors and they all, I thought, they can't all be planting memories. They're all from different places. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's not that. So I had to trust God in that. And I kept saying, show me the truth. And uh, God revealed to me that my sister and I, both as very young babies, had been groomed or trained to disassociate from pain. And what that means, God gives us, or children, the gift of disassociation that when there's intense trauma uh, or pain, um, their brain gets overloaded. So what happens is a part that it creates a new part of them to hold those memories and that pain and the core part of them disassociates. So it's like when you're driving down the road and you can't remember for the last 15 minutes that you were driving. Anyone had that before? That's a form of disassociation, a very mild form. Well, this gave you the capacity to sort of basically go out of your body and then when things were okay again, come back. And you had no memory and it protected you from those. Because if you can imagine a child with those, those experiences trying to process that, when it was people that you loved and who you relied on for survival, you just, wouldn't, you just wouldn't do it. So it was, it was suppressed for all those years. And as you can imagine, with, in my case, with multiple ongoing serious abuse over many years, my brain just learned to disassociate automatically. So there was a whole lot of it buried underneath. Okay. So as you can imagine, my journey of restoration has not been always an easy one. And uh, I have, uh, there have been days when I've wanted to give up, when I've asked God, Jesus, could I just go and be with you? I just don't want to work through this pain anymore. Is it ever going to end? Um, it's impacted on my health, on my marriage, my family, my friendships. I even... Uh, lost my ministry job because um, others could only see the shack but what God was doing on the inside and didn't believe that I could recover from such a traumatic history. And I get that, but it was still a very difficult situation. Yet despite all these challenges, uh, I am so grateful to God because his grace has kept me alive, not just through this process, but now that I know about what's happened to me, he is a, it's a living testimony to his goodness and his grace and he's keeping me because I should have died many times or at least be totally insane and I didn't so and here I am <laughs> so he has restored my foundations in him he's knocked out the walls of lies that have separated me from his heart he's cleaned out all the well most of the hidden rooms there may be a few more <laughs> you never know 
Uh, he knows that. Uh, and he's healed all the different wounded parts of me. He's filled those empty rooms with his Holy Spirit. So now I can actually say I do feel his love and his peace and his joy. Before I used to sing about it and think, gee, I really wish I felt that. <laughs> now I actually am. So that's exciting. And I no longer feel the incessant need to work myself into the ground. Hooray. <laughs> or even to please everyone uh, by meeting their expectations. So that's exciting. But most precious of all is my deep love for God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and my um, new foundation in my relationship with him and my identity in him. And I have a new sense of hope and purpose. Like Crystal, I still have some days where I discover another memory and I've got to go through that process, but I don't stay down nearly as long and uh, God carries me through that. So, um, and I have a wonderful family as well. Uh, I have another picture to show you now because God, when God looks at me, he doesn't actually see the shack. He doesn't see your shack either. We all have shacks in different ways. <laughs> he sees the finished mansion or the masterpiece, as Andrew called it last week. So here's a picture of that shack I showed you on Fixer Opera as the finished product. Pretty amazing, huh? It is the same place. God said mine's going to look even better. <laughs> so that's pretty exciting. There's an inside one as well, I think, Anna, the next one. Yeah, so pretty amazing. So although I'm not yet fully restored, I'm a work in progress, um, the process has given me a deep abiding trust in him to do what's required and to bring the people in to my life to help partner with him. And I am truly his walking miracle. And now um, I have hope and I exist to love and know him and to help other people do that. And I believe somehow, some way, not sure how yet, that uh, he'll use my story to help other shacks realise that there is hope and uh, that he is the hope I just want to um, read one verse from Isaiah 61. I love Isaiah 61. God actually gave it to me before I found out my first memory. And all through the process, it comes in different ways from different people. And I won't read the whole Isaiah 61 because that would be way over time. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to read this particular passage. I think it's on the slide, Anna. Uh, Isaiah 61, 3 to 4. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. So I want to encourage you today, if you're feeling a bit like a broken down shack or you're hurting or struggling with different things that you just can't seem to get a handle on, uh, or you just need some major renovation, <laughs> God can do it. If he can take my story and turn it around, he can take yours. And he's just waiting for you to say, please help me, God. <laughs> I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I give up, basically. You, you need to take the reins. And uh, he is the master fixer-upper, and he loves you so much. So he does an excellent job. And... Hopefully, Andrew won't beat me up for taking too long. I just want to take this opportunity just to honour a couple of people. There's been many people, but there's a couple of people who are quite key to my journey in the last four years who have partnered with God to help me through this process. And I don't take that lightly because it wasn't a fun process for me, so it probably wasn't very much fun for them at times. 
Uh, I want to firstly honor my husband, Steve, who's uh, loved me and... and who's stood by me despite ongoing revelations that just get nastier and nastier and, and lots of flack from my family. Um, he has, I just want to honour his loyalty and his faithfulness. I know he'll be humble and say, oh, that's what everybody does, but I know the reality is not everybody would put up with that. I also want to honour one of my Christian counsellors um, who's been on this journey from me, with me for the last four years as well, and it's our very own Zaley. And uh, Zaley, God works through Zaley so powerfully. And what I really am impressed about with Zaley is she's so humble and obedient to what God wants her to do. And she always points me back to Him. She never takes the glory. She always says, It's not me, it's God. It's not me, it's God. And finally, I want to honor uh, Andrew and Mal, who, uh, during a painful part of my journey last year, 2016, uh, saw beyond the shack at what God was doing and encouraged me to be part of the church without condemnation for my past. So I appreciate that so much. So bless you. I want to read a definition of a hero. Christopher Reeve said once, yeah, a hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. Sitting beside you are heroes. Sitting beside you are men and women who have gone through things you could never imagine and by the grace of God alone are beside you and are able to tell the story. Yeah? Um, there's a, another quote by a gentleman by the name of um, William Green who we're going to have out from the US next year speaking in schools. And... Um, if I can find it again, sorry, I just made it a bit bigger. And apart from one word, because some of the journey, you don't choose the journey that you're on, yeah? But um, he's been through some particular things, and his quote is this, you have been assigned this mountain to show others it can be moved, yeah? You've been assigned this mountain to show others it can be moved. Without people that have gone through things, as horrendous as some things are, the rest of us would never learn that there's actually, it's possible, you know, that there's hope and there's light at the end of the tunnel. And so we thank God for what he's doing in you because I, I don't know about anybody else here. I've heard stories of the shack, but I've never seen the shack. All I've ever seen is, is that last picture, yeah? And I believe that's what most of us see when you, all of us see when you walk through the door and when you share your story and when you pray. And so we want to pray with you now. Is that all right, Chester? Can we pray for Janine um, and bless her? And so, Father, we do thank you. Lord, again, we don't thank you for what she's been through, but we thank you for what she's learnt, Lord, with everything that she's been through. We thank you, Lord, that she was courageous, Lord, in, in putting her hand up and asking you to come in and take control and to expose and to show and to reveal and we thank you, Lord, that she had the courage to allow you into places that she didn't even know existed. Father, areas of her mind and her subconscious, things that had been so buried away, that have created filters for life, Lord, she's allowed you in those places. That, Lord, now when she hears you, she hears you, Lord, not with your word passing through the filters of experience, but just passing straight to her, straight to her heart. She makes decisions based 
Lord, on being sensitive to you. And I thank you. I thank you for her growth. I thank you for her strength. I thank you for her example. I thank you for the way that she uh, is a mother and a wife. I thank you for the way that she's dealt with her family and her friends. And I thank you, Lord, for the support that her family has given her. And like we've prayed for Crystal, we continue to pray for Janine and all of your goodness, that you would continue to pour your spirit, Lord, with great abundance over her life, that she would truly go from strength to strength and, Lord, from one level of glory to the next as she realizes with ever-increasing glory, Lord, more every day that she is your child, your daughter, seated in heavenly places. Father, that she's an ambassador for you. And we thank you for the gold, Lord, that comes from her life every time she speaks and that when she walks in the room, we give you the glory for her life and we ask for your continued blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Put your hands together just for a minute. Ben. Sorry, do you mind if I have the keys? If we can just be upstanding because... Yeah, sorry, guitar. Or Ollie on keys, whichever works best. Sorry. Um, I'm mindful that with both those testimonies, there have been some words that are spoken that um, for some of us may have hit really close to home. And I don't want to take that for granted and nor do I want to leave and do we want to leave anyone in a position where they've walked into the house of God you know having memories stirred up but rather with the stories that they've shared with the hope that they've shared and the victory that they've walked in in the Lord we want to share that with you and so we want to open up the altar now for those that need some prayer for those of you that some of those, those two testimonies have hit really close to home. Can I encourage you to speak to Crystal, to speak to Janine. Grab them after the service. Make a time to have a coffee because their story might be really similar to yours. Yeah? And they are the hero that you need to get to the next stage of your walk. Amen? But if anyone here is feeling uncomfortable, just while the guitar's playing, I'm just going to invite you to the front and I'm going to ask those two girls to come and to pray for you. Yeah, to pray the victory that they've received in their life, that God would pour out through them into you. Amen. So if that's you and you would love a touch from God because something that they've shared has just, you know, shaken something within you, then the altar's open. Yeah. With every eye closed, let's just be in a, a, a place of prayer just for a moment and allow people that opportunity to come and receive something from the Lord. Amen.